So now we get to the part in my story, probably a lot of people's um, stories that get born again, which is, um, it's probably the funniest part to listen to, and it's also going to be uh, funny to share it, but trust me, as you're going through it, it's it's anything but fun, and I've listened to a few testimonies, but not a whole lot. So I, I can't really, rem- I, I, I don't recall a whole lot of people sharing about it. So I really wanted to record, um, yeah, to, to dedicate one entire session, one entire recording to, um, yeah, to this transition phase which for me, um, in this sense, lasted around two months. In another sense, it's never over. Um, This is kind of like a twilight zone. God saves you, plucks you out of, you know, the darkness that you were in, that you didn't even know that you were in, opens your eyes, you receive his spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive, you get an entirely new nature, you are a a new creation. The old you dies on that cross, is crucified. And yet, and yet, um, both of these natures in, in one sense live on. And especially the first, you know, it maybe for one person it lasts a month, for another person it lasts 10 years, who knows? But that initial phase, you don't really know what's what. You're literally like a newborn. You're a newborn creation in the spirit, right? You're, you're learning how to walk, literally. And of course, he's got you by the, by the hand, but it's still like, wow, what's going on? What's happening? Where am I? <laughs> and um, yeah, it's wonderful and weird. And it's like everything all together. And it just starts to dawn on you that you're in this twilight zone. You're like, wow, I truly have a new nature. I'm not the same that I was yesterday. But that part of me is still kind of like like a phantom limb, you know, like those stories where veterans have lost a leg, but they still feel that leg. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. Yeah, so the moment that I was born again, and then the the days and the weeks after, God asked me, the Holy Spirit convicted me to lay down pretty much everything that I held dear. And this is, it's it's different, you know, because when I was... um, when I was into spiritualism, you know, there was sometimes this sense of me evolving or, or 
you know, becoming more detached from the world and certain things lose, you know, me losing interest in certain things of the world. But this was different. It was kind of like that was a shimmer or a foretaste of what that's like without actually getting to the real source of, you know, of why that is. This felt really personal. Like this was God through his Holy Spirit telling me, you're going to lay down this and this and this and this. Oh, and don't forget about that and that and that and that. And certain things I, you know, he made me privy to. He kind of, let's say, explained why. You know, like with my... um my the business that was active at the time which was the women's work and all that he made it so clear like yeah you're glorifying yourself that's you know and all of a sudden that went from being awesome to being gross (laughs) in just one you know in one second but then I found I was laying down a lot of other things quite naturally without even fully being sure as to why, like certain things, I just instantly felt like not necessarily a conviction of it's wrong, but just more so like you don't need this anymore. But make no mistake, you know, everything that you lay down, at least for me, it was on the one side so easy. It was just like Jesus walking into your life, him saying, okay, we're going this way, follow me. You're like, yep, doing that. (laughs) Um, And it's so funny, you know, later on you read in the Bible, he says, don't look back. (laughs) But I think all of us will look back. It's really hard not to because you're still living inside of, well, a fallen world, a world that's in a fallen state and also a body that is in a fallen state, which in the Bible we start referring to as as the flesh, you know, the flesh is still an enemy of God, it's still at odds with God. You see, I... This, this is probably just a very new age um, fantasy that I, I took with me. Even when I was born again, I wasn't, you know, instantly, my, your, your mind, everything is regenerated and renewed, but also it's a lifelong process. <laughs> Um, so one of these things that I was not necessarily instantly delivered from was, and it took me a while, like this, this is still something that God is helping me with day in, day out, but it took me a while initially to figure it out, you know, for him to show me. So one of these things that I took with me was this, this, um, this expectation I don't know, this was just an unconscious expectation that I held my entire life. If I find God, every 
everything will just be rainbows and unicorns and glitters from here on out. If I meet God, I'll finally be exquisitely happy all the time. There'll be no more suffering. This is kind of also, you know, um, the idea in, in transcendent practices, non-duality, you know, to go beyond suffering is to, to balance the scales of black and white, of good and bad, you know, to become the witness, the observer, to detach from your pain body, you know, whatever words you use. It's, it's there, it's this longing to go beyond suffering, which I think is really natural. But when you meet God in this lifetime, you also start to realize it's not going to happen in this lifetime. We were made for that world called heaven, but this is not it. And, you know, this is the danger of, of that kind of spirituality, of taking it into your own hands, which is trying to create heaven on earth through just, in essence, almost pretending, you know, like there is no suffering here or to not label suffering as suffering. Anyway, this was a huge, yeah, um, confrontation, a run-in with reality. You know, I've heard the phrase, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off so many times, but I'd never fully lived it, like, in that period. I met the truth. His name is Yahweh. <laughs> And instead of just pure, eternal, fluffy bliss all the time, it was first a complete dismantling and humbling and seeing like, wow, I'm a created being. I'm not a creator. I cannot have any kind of true joy and happiness apart from him. But that means a relationship. Relationship takes time. And holiness takes time, like sanctification takes time, purification takes time. And I still went to, to God a lot of the times just wanting him for his goodies, you know, like wanting to marry a rich man for his money. <laughs> I just kept going to God, like, just, just please, just, just please take my suffering from me. Just please make me happy. That's all I want. <sighs> so this is when I started to see, like, even though I've been saying I, I've been looking for God my whole life, that wasn't really true. And I don't think that's true for anyone. Everyone says in this spiritual scene that we're all in, I want the truth. I want God. It's not true because God wants us more than we want him. We just want happiness. We just want bliss. We just want nirvana. We just want uh, peace and the end of suffering. But we don't want to be humbled. We don't want the truth that's actually very painful at first. The truth that he is God. And that we cannot get that peace and that happiness and that joy 
that doesn't truly exist outside of him, apart from him. And and even in meeting God, even in him giving you the gift of all gifts, which is eternal safety and joy in him, in knowing him, finally, you also realize like in this life, even though the veil of of sin has been removed, has been forgiven, has been bought off, Thank you, Jesus. The, the veil of being in a fallen world, living in a fallen body, in the flesh, in this life will now go away. So it's like, <laughs> at least for me, it was first a window into seeing him clearly for the first time in my life. And then, yeah, Coming down to earth, realizing my flesh in this lifetime is always going to fight God. It's never, it's like gravity. It's always going to want to pull you down. And the Holy Spirit is helping you. It's lifting you up. But, yeah, it's like you're released from this weight of sin, you're released from the blindness towards the real living God of sin. And it's like, whoa. And then, you know, you're introduced to to a new struggle in your life. And um, that's what, at least for me, that first period was about. Before... Well, I had a brief window of seeing the true liberation of what Jesus had done for me and knowing God and being made right in the eyes of God and being able to have a relationship with him. Um, It's also being introduced to, okay, it's going to be swimming upstream in many ways because this world, this entire world is going downstream And you're now one of the fish, like the one in the 99 that's now swimming upstream. And you're swimming in the right direction. But that doesn't always mean that it's easier. And dun, dun, dun. God then also starts revealing to you that, you know, if you're going to swim upstream... If you're going to go against the gravity of this world, you need to lighten your load because it's weighing you down and you cannot actually swim upstream. (laughs) You cannot actually fly even with the wings of the Holy Spirit if you're going to hold on to this dead dead weight that belongs to the world. And I made a little list of the things that were no more. The things that God revealed to me were were like an anchor. 
the things that he had to, in some sense, peel out of my hands. You know, because the flesh doesn't really want to let go. Um, some of these, you know, I'm going to make separate recordings, separate episodes to go more in depth as to how he did that, as to why. But for now, I just made a list. Okay. Aesthetic dance. Festivals. Smoking weed every single day for five, six years. Um, Social media, at least in the way I had been using it, you know, to glorify self. All of the music I was listening to. Two businesses, the one that was active and also one that was, you know, passive. But... More so, you know, than business, it was, yeah, it was income. These businesses made a lot of money. But they were also, what was more important, they gave me a sense of identity, a sense of purpose, a sense of direction in life. So that was stripped down. Um, My home, my beautiful home, 100 square meters all to myself in Amsterdam, Uh, a luxury lifestyle I was spending upwards of a thousand euros maybe even 1500 a month on Ubers ordering food all the time lots and lots of shopping the inside of my house looking like (laughs) a temple Um, speaking of yeah 90% of the clothing that I was wearing, extremely, either very expensive luxury items, but also very provocative, provocative clothing, very, you know, like very worldly, very sexy, um, or very eye-catching clothing, makeup, Um, jewelry I was always wearing a ton of jewelry I was wearing extensions at the time that was a (sighs) no-no and then yeah going a bit deeper you know like pretty much everything that I believed in my entire worldview my entire worldview that I built my entire life on, all of the things that were good, you know, were kind of revealed to be worthless in the eyes of God and couldn't take with me. Um, You know, these ideas of, you know, all is one and we are but a, you know, we are not a drop in the ocean, we are the ocean in a drop and we're just, everything is one and... We are not separate from God. And there is infinite lifetimes and karma and reincarnation. And I was practicing, I was super deep into astrology, human design, gene keys. I'd spend like, I don't even know, like the past four years of my life. Human design even longer, like 10, 11 years of my life. 
heavily studying, investigating so much of my identity, um, just wrapped up in all of these things. And then, yeah, about 90% of the conversation topics with the people in my life, you know, like the heart the love does not change between for me it didn't change between me and the people in my life but it's like if all of your conversation topics are about yourself about your work the money you make um and of course a a completely new age worldview And if not new age, then at the very least um, secular, you know, like my my worldview, my life had literally been flipped 180. It's like God now had become central again. And when God is truly God in your life, then. That's what you're looking at. That's what you're talking about. Because what, you know, what else is there worth talking about? And so, yeah, it's the first few weeks and months. Um, still to this day, although, you know, it becomes a little bit easier. It's like, I, I, I just, I, I didn't know what to talk about with, you know, my people. It was like very awkward. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the first two months, it was really, um, the old self being crucified and And this really mimics, it follows the story of God's chosen people in the Bible, the Israelites. But again, I wasn't reading the Bible the first few weeks. And and even when I did, I wasn't reading that part, Exodus. It wasn't actually until a few weeks ago that I really started to dive into Exodus. And I was just laughing the whole way through because I was like, oh, okay, this is normal. Because what happened as I was laying down my entire life for Jesus, I didn't realize that I wasn't truly the one making a sacrifice. So, you know, you can imagine um, God lays down his life for you. He dies on that cross. He, you know, he... He dies and he suffers for you and he saves you and he gives you eternal life even though you've sinned against God your entire life. And yet, in those first few weeks and months, you know, and this is what Jesus says in the Bible when he says, pick up your cross, when he says, follow me, you do it. But he says, don't look back. But it's nearly impossible. 
<laughs> you know, because looking back, you live in that fallen state, in that body, you know, so in that world. But um, I was I was complaining to God. It's it's really funny looking back on it, thinking back to it. But I was like, really, God, really, you're taking all of this away from me. What do I get in return? <laughs> you know, what I'd gotten back in return is, you know, heaven is is eternity spent with God without any veils in between and getting a foretaste of that in this life. But that foretaste, it was really strong upon the moment of salvation. But then not so much because I had to learn to walk in obedience and to walk in relationship with him. So that first little while, it felt mostly like a sacrifice. Um, And it wasn't until, you know, after a good little while that he started to show me that even that he did out of love, it was on purpose because he wanted me to walk by faith. He was really like, do you trust me? And if you do, that that trust is your gift. So yeah, when I started to read Exodus, it was just so funny. To see yourself in these Bible stories that I I had never read the Bible before. And yet I saw myself in there. So God, you know, the Israelites are 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 captives in Egypt, they're slaves, they're in bondage, and Egypt is is a synonym for the world, you know, where we are in bondage without even realizing it. Why? Because we have it good. We have a roof over our head. We have money. We have fun. We have education. We have riches. We don't realize we are slaves. God comes in. He rescues us. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to deliver you to the promised land. I'm going to bring you to where I am. But we have to cross the desert first, the wilderness and it was supposed to take 40 days and it took 40 years why because the israelites didn't trust god <laughs> they were complaining they were looking back to egypt which you know it's it makes sense but every time you look back you don't trust god you don't trust that he is God and he is, he is a good God and that the things he's asking you to lay down are for your own good, you know? It's not, it's not because... It's not because he wants to control you. It's not because, you know, he's, he's a mean, conniving person. It's because he knows what he has in store for you and that sometimes you have to lay down a lesser thing for a greater gain and that we can only do by faith and he gives you that faith upon being born again but we have to exercise that faith so with time i 
I really started to see like, okay, this is what he's doing. He's exercising my faith and he can only do that if I need my faith, you know. If he delivers me out of Egypt straight into the promised land, no faith would have been involved, would have been needed. I wouldn't have had to rely not on my sight and not on my own strength and capabilities, but 100,000% completely dependent on him. Learning to walk in the spirit and not in my flesh. Yeah. There is such a wisdom to everything he does. And we only get to see that when we fully surrender and fully trust. And you know, he, he does show us this. He, sh- he shows us this all throughout the scriptures. But it's not until you've lived it that you see what he's doing, that you get to see his character, and that you see the gift of having to rely more and more on him through faith. And that he's always, always doing everything for your own good. And in this period, I, yeah, I started to learn that once you're born again, it's, it's like you have two natures. And it's like you have double vision. And it depends on which one you're going to feed, which one you're going to starve. Um, and yeah, for the first time in your life, you you get to experience what temptation is. Because before, you're always giving in to temptation. So temptation doesn't feel as strong. And then the first few months, I was like, looking back at my old life, all this fame and popularity and status and identity and money and luxury and... Also, just generally, you know, the biggest issue being not bowing down to the real God. It's like you look back and you're like, oh, that kind of seems more fun. But while you're looking back, the Holy Spirit is looking with you. So you can see that the lie that you're being fed that your flesh responds to is that this is good for you. But now the Holy Spirit is helping you see like, no, it is a, it is a mirage that you've bought into your entire life that the rest of the world will continue to buy into unless, you know, they choose Jesus. Um, we'll continue to buy into it till the end of time, until it's too late. Um, 
and the Holy Spirit helps you see like through the the um, the Fata Morgana, the mirage. You know, it's like yeah, it appears so real. And but it, this is not just materialism. It's not just secularism. The whole spiritual world of spirituality that we've bought into is part of it it's a matrix within a matrix like that was such a wake-up call because all of us in all of us in the new age were like yeah yeah the material world no we don't have any interest in that but we're we're just buying into another matrix <laughs> um it's spiritual consumerism, it's spiritual pride masquerading itself as humbleness, as detachment from the world, but it's just attachment to a new spiritual identity. And anyway, the, the Holy Spirit makes you look, you look back, and you see like, yeah, I get why that was appealing and why it's hard to lay down. But I also can't go back because now that I've tasted something else, no matter how hard it is to follow Christ in this world, it is worth it. I've tasted the real thing, even if it is but one drop in this entire desert, that one drop I will follow until the end of my days. And that's, uh, yeah, that's the wilderness. You get a drop and you know you can't go back. But you also know it's not going to be, it's not going to be a walk in the park. 